hope you're having a great summer. Today we're wrapping up the last ser- sermon in this series called Abide, and uh, a long look at John 15, and this morning we're spilling into John 16. Um, so my prayer is that it's been a blessing to you, it's challenged you a little bit, it's encouraged you a little bit, God's been using it in your heart and mind as he's been using it in mine as, as, we, as I study and build these talks out. And um, yeah, so let me pray and then we'll welcome our other campus. Dear God, thank you so much. We come into this space, all different kinds of things going on in life. Some of us maybe are doing great, others of us not so much. I love that as we come into your house, you know exactly where we've been. You know exactly what's been messing with our minds or weighing on our hearts. And you meet us right where we're at. In these moments, we just want to admit to you that we are not gods of our own lives. We we're so terrible at that when we try to do it. Um, we need you. We need you to speak to us. We need you to work in us. We need you to do something new. We ask you to, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome, 930. It's so, so good to see you. And for our Tremont family, man, we are pumped that you are joining us as well. Uh, we stole Jill from you for the last couple weeks, um, and I think we're reluctantly going to be sending her back. Not like, not like uh, you know, I don't, that sounds terrible. We love her, and she's glad, that, we're glad that she's here, and we love you. We're, we're not treating you like Amazon. We're just, <laughs> we're just grateful for you, and we love you, and we're thankful that you're joining us, and those of you that are joining us online as well. Welcome. Um, We're jumping into the last message in our series, Abide. I don't know if you've been paying attention to this series at all, but we started looking at just a long look at John chapter 15, and we started this by saying, hey, God's call was not just follow me and then go and do a bunch of stuff. And that's how we treat it in church world, especially in our Western church world. We'll come follow Jesus and then go serve. Now, we serve at Grace Free Church. It's an important part of us. It's about how we live generously towards others. It's something that God has definitely called us to. And there's such great joy in serving God. It's a privilege and an honor to, to, to know that he's chosen us and gifted us and sent us out to make a real difference in the world, to be light and to be salt and to see lives change. If you've never jumped on that train, I suggest you do. It's a great ride. But the call was not follow me to his followers and then go serve. The call was follow, abide, then go. And we skipped that middle part. Maybe because we're just, we like running fast. We tell, we tell people, I'm busy, I'm busy. I got so, man, how are things going? You've, you've been asked that lately? How, how are things going? Oh, man, it's good, but it's crazy. He said that to anybody, crazy, I'm just running here, I'm running there, I got kids, practice never ends. <laughs> Did you notice that lately? There's, there's soccer practices, they're unending, there's no non-soccer season. As a soccer coach, I'm admitting that. <laughs> like, I don't know if I like it, but I'm, I'm always like, uh, I'm busy, I got stuff, I gotta be here, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, right? I think sometimes we like that. 
We, we act like we don't like it, but we like it. <laughs> We're good at running fast and doing stuff. We like the, to, to feel like we're accomplishing something and being purposeful with our times. So it sounds good to tell everybody, tell somebody, the next person who asks you, just be like, How, how's it going? Just be like, I don't know. <laughs> see how that, see the look on their face when you go, I don't know, I've just kind of been laying around all summer. <laughs> I've been like binge streaming everything you can binge stream on TV and did a whole lot of nothing. Um, and uh, I'm okay with that. I try not to go anywhere. Try, see the look on their face, right? Like, but Jesus' call is to follow him and then abide, remain, slow down, do life with him. That's a tough one. That's a tough one for people who love going fast and far who somehow get a thrill out of being busy and doing things and accomplishing things. Even when we slow down, our minds are racing and running and out ahead of us. Our calendars are full. So it's new muscle. It's a new muscle that needs some working in our spiritual walks. Learning how to slow down and be in relationship with God. Now, he said from the beginning, right, like, if you're a non-believer, here, here at Grace Free Church, any of our campuses, you don't have to believe to belong. We love you. We welcome you into this place. We, we believe God loves you, even if you don't believe in him. We believe that Jesus is the truth and the answer to life. But if you're just curious or struggling or asking some questions, if maybe mom made you come, you're, you're not sure if you believe this whole God thing, you're just kind of here to make mom happy, whatever's going on, right? Like, welcome to the space. We love you as you are, but you're kind of looking at this series from the outside because this passage is for Jesus' followers. And for you, the starting place is not to abide, it's to say, okay, is this Jesus who he says he is, and did he do what he said he did? And if he is God and the resurrection is for real, then I best consider giving my life to him because he holds the keys. We talked about what it means to abide the first week and uh, then we talked about how there's fruit that comes from this relationship with God and it's good fruit. It's actually the fruit is better than cake kind of fruit, which is strange because there's not a lot of fruit better than cake. <laughs> but uh, this fruit is better than cake. It lasts longer. It's, it's the fruit that comes from being in relationship with God. When you learn to slow down and abide with him, he brings fruit into your life. Some of that fruit can be listed in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, self-control. I'm missing a few because I didn't review it right before I came up here. You can look it up yourself. Don't email me the list. I'll look it up myself too, I promise. <laughs> you know, like there's fruit that comes this fruit in Galatians is not, we, we think about it in abstract terms. Oh yeah, sounds nice. Be more self-controlled. People are like elbowing their husbands on this one or something. Don't do it so anybody in your row can see you. Like, 
you know, uh, more peace. Yeah, we, we want more peace. But you realize that this fruit that the, the Bible is talking about, that Jesus wants to give you, is actually what you've been looking for in all of your relationships. It's what you've been searching for. It's what you need. Maybe you haven't been able to put that to words. Maybe it hasn't, you haven't connected all the dots yet, but what you're looking for in a broke down marriage where you're struggling and in conflict all the time is peace and not just the peace you can generate because we all know how good that goes. A peace that supersedes you, that transcends you like a peace from God. What we're looking for is joy, right? Happiness, to, to experience some, some real happiness and joy deep in our souls. Not something that we can generate by, by being good or getting an ice cream from buddies or something. Not like, you know, like something more meaningful. Like something that transcends us. Like a fruit from God. It's what you've been looking for. And, and we talked about how fruitful people are happy people. Not all the time. That's not a promise from God that you'll be happy all the time. But fruitful people are happier. Like, I feel like I need a sign and a table that says, prove me wrong. Fruitful people, their relationships are healthier, going in the right direction. Doesn't mean you don't have trouble or trials or you gotta work through some conflict. Everybody's gotta work through some conflict. They're going in the right direction. They're kids, they like them and they respect them. Not one or the other. Fruitful people, man, it's, it's a blessing to experience the fruit that God's spirit brings when you slow down and learn to just abide with him. And I, and I wanna ask, maybe I shouldn't, but how's it going, that part? Have you been able to slow down? Have you noticed the effect on your life spiritually, emotionally, even physically? Then we talked about how love is the motivator Love is the motivator and how incredible God's love for us is. We don't serve out of religious duty. We don't serve to check the church boxes. We don't serve to punch the heaven ticket. We don't follow him or stay connected to him just because it is some kind of like self-help thing. That, that love is what motivates us. And when we understand this incredible and crazy and a beautiful love that God has for us, those who don't deserve it, a love that he demonstrated on the cross, scripture teaches us when we let that sink past all of our barriers and our obstacles and our defenses, when we let it sink in past our head and actually touch our heart, it's transformative. It's the best motivator in the world. You want change, start with letting your heart experience the love of God. You want to see something different in your life? Start by letting, by understanding how much God loves you and what that love actually means, what he actually has done for you. It's God's love that motivates us. And then last week, intern Josh. Are you grateful for intern Josh? He's back at school. I'm grateful for intern Josh. I miss that there's somebody around here that I can call intern Josh. If your name is Josh, I might just start calling you intern Josh. If I call our campus pastor in Tremont, intern Ryan, he might punch me. So I'm not, or two-legged takedown. He was a Division I wrestler. So you don't mess with, uh, you don't mess with those guys. All I got is soccer. I can kick him maybe. Maybe I can kick you. <laughs> uh, last week, intern Josh talked about how, um, how our home is not of this world, 
We should stop trying to fit into a broken system that offers us only broken things. Trying to experience success in love just by being better or being more popular or having success at work or having people admire you or getting more stuff or having more money. It's a broken system. You get to the top of the ladder and you realize it's the wrong roof. It doesn't work. Instead, there's a better system to follow and it's God's plan and design for life and it's experienced in community with each other. Today, we're wrapping up the whole series. You're like, that was a long intro. <laughs> well, the worship team only played two songs, so when they played two songs instead of three, <laughs> speaking secrets are just exposed this morning. <laughs> you get a long intro. <laughs> um, this morning we're wrapping up the series. Next week we're starting a whole new series in First Peter. It's going to be really cool. It's five weeks. I wrapped up the, the outline this last week. It's about being restored. So if you're tired or worn out, man, if you're broken down, if things have been frustrating, if you just don't feel like you have the energy you used to, this whole next series is about how God wants to restore you and some keys to getting there. Um, let me just read. In John 15, if you have your Bibles, you want to follow along or on a device, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. I, I highly recommend write. I love paper Bibles because I can write on them. It's really hard to write on an iPhone. You need like a Sharpie and then you can't really see the screen afterwards. It's, the notes all smear when you rub your finger over it to slide up. and It's just better to write on paper than a phone. <laughs> I'm trying 930, come on. Y'all need more coffee today. You ready? We're spilling over into 16 a little bit. It says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. I, I want to read into chapter 16, to get a better idea of who this advocate is that Jesus is saying he is sending to us. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. Wow, that went sideways real fast right there. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. It's not interesting. You can be religious and not know the Father or Jesus. You can be a zealot. You can, you can do all the stuff that you think will make God proud of you or acceptable to him and still not know what matters most, Jesus. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them He's talking about the religious leaders, the Pharisees. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. Obviously, they're struggling with the words here. Uh, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. That sounds crazy. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
There's that advocate again. When he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. I want to talk to you this morning about this advocate. It's the difference maker, the difference maker. And I want to say this. Like, for the disciples, the message was clear, help's coming. It had to be confusing, because Jesus was like, I'm going away. At the same time, he was saying, help's coming. Isn't it interesting that sometimes we want to cling on to what feels like exactly what we need right now, when really it's just what we have been comfortable with, instead of leaning into what God has for us next. And I want you to know this morning, for a lot of us, we got to make that transition from hanging on to what has been comfortable, even spiritually, and lean in to what God has next. The difference maker, difference making, right? Like, how many of you are into baseball? If not, get out of here. We have another campus. (laughs) For you, it's called Tremont. You can go up there. No, just kidding. We love you even if you don't love baseball. I grew up in a baseball family. We were forced to play baseball all the time. There are holes in this room that have been plastered over from me playing baseball with my dad and maybe also me playing baseball with my son. Shh, don't tell anybody. (laughs) On family vacation, we weren't allowed to have fun until we played baseball first. It would be 115 degrees with mosquitoes the size of your thumb, and we would be out on a baseball field, (laughs) not allowed to leave and go enjoy a pool or anything until after that was all done. It's just the house we grew up in, and and now my son has caught a little bit of that. I want to say not from me. I want to say he caught it from his grandfather, but I, I have to probably admit that I might have had something to do with it. Uh, But he truly loves the sport, and he pays attention to it more than I do. He knows the names of people more than I know. He knows, you know, who's doing what, who's hot on what team, and who's not, and who's struggling, and who's got sent down to the minors, and who got called up. It's crazy how much the kid knows. But he follows all of the extracurricular stuff. So when MLB Draft came on, the, the dude was just into MLB Draft, just wanted to watch MLB Draft. When it was time for the All-Star Game, we didn't just watch the All-Star Game. We had to watch the Futures Game. All this I love doing with him, by the way. It's such a joy to be able to hang out with another maniac like myself and uh, just enjoy this without anybody judging except for the, the, the you know, looks from the girls as they walk by. Like, what are you guys doing, baseball again? Like, that's okay, that kind of judgment. And uh, what, what we were paying close attention to this season was the trade deadline. Have you paid attention to the trade? No, you didn't because you're not as crazy as we are. There's this thing called the trade deadline in the Major League Baseball. And it's this date where, like, you got to figure out your team. 
It's their last opportunity you have to trade somebody or acquire trades. So teams go crazy, dropping millions upon millions of dollars in contracts and trading and picking up contracts. And this year, more than any other year, we were paying attention to it because there's this guy named Juan Soto who played for the Washington Nationals and turned down 400 some million dollars. That's crazy. <laughs> so everybody wanted to know where this guy was going to go. But what's interesting is how these teams will sacrifice their futures to find a difference maker right now. Like literally risking years upon years of success so that for the next two years they can compete for the most important thing. They, 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 they let go of their future trying to find a difference maker for right now. And as I was watching this, it occurred to me that's not so much different than how we treat life. I bet that some of you have at some point or another sacrificed your future or leveraged it to get a difference maker to make you feel better right now. I can't tell you how many terrible decisions I have made in my youth. Like last, five years ago when I was young. <laughs> How many decisions I made, not even thinking about the consequences of the future, not even concerned about my health, just want cake right now. Just wanna, just wanna feel good right now. Just wanna do what pleases me right now. We're all looking for that one thing that'll make a difference. Self-help books are the most bought books on the New York Times bestseller list. It's because people are looking for the one thing that can make a difference right now. We'll leverage things we shouldn't leverage. We'll risk things we shouldn't risk. We'll sacrifice our future. We'll, we'll, we'll forget the consequences of the decision. We'll look for what will make a difference right now. Many affair has started because somebody was looking for a difference maker to make them feel happy. Many a drug was snorted because someone was looking for a difference maker to wipe away the pain pain that they were supposed to just walk through and become stronger as a result of. Many a, uh, many a, a family was affected, a child was affected because parents were looking for difference makers right now to make them feel good. We're all searching for something that makes a real, lasting, authentic difference. And Jesus is pointing to the real difference maker we need. It's not enough, he says to the disciples, that you had, I'm paraphrasing here, that you had been with me. That you've known about me. It's not enough that we spent all, for what's coming next, you need something more and something different. And that's always scary. It's not enough. What have you been relying on to get you through what's next? Jesus knows what's coming for the disciples and he's preparing them. He's laying it out here. I know what's coming down the pipe. I know the suffering you are gonna have to suffer. I know the challenges you are gonna have to face. I know that you are gonna have trouble, that there's gonna be some dark days, that maybe you're even gonna wonder if it's all worth it, that there's gonna be times where you are tested beyond what you have ever been tested before. Life will throw some squirrely and painful things at you. You're gonna have to walk 
through those things. Maybe some of you are walking through those things right now. And what Jesus says is you need the difference maker, this advocate for what's next. They didn't understand it. I wonder if they were like, no, what we need is for you not to go. Don't leave. What we need is for you to just stay a little longer, teach us a little more, let's have some more campfires, let's watch you heal some more people, let's hear you challenge some more people, let's watch you preach a few more messages. What do you mean what we need is different than what we had? It's not enough that you've walked with me, that you've known. Man, how many people across the world sit comfortably in churches this morning thinking that just knowing about God is enough. It's not enough for what you're gonna face next. How many people in churches this morning think that just having a good understanding of theology is enough for what life's gonna throw at them? We, we walked with Jesus when I was a kid, so... That's enough. I went to VBS when I was young. That's enough. I went to church school. That's enough. I know some things. That's enough. What are you relying on to get you through life when life gets hard? Jesus offers us something better, his words. It was better for the disciples and even his presence with them. And it was this advocate Here's something about this advocate, right? Like this advocate, just a quick intro. is an, an, an advocate is somebody who pleads your case, somebody who comes alongside you, somebody who offers you comfortment, comfortment, that's not even a word, comfort and encouragement. I combined the two in my brain right there. That's not a good start. Um, and somebody who exhorts you, which is just basically like the intense version of comfort and encourage. Exhorting is like when you, when you push somebody on, when you challenge somebody on to something better. It's, it's when, you know, the ice cream gets moved from the upstairs freezer to the basement freezer so I can't find it as easily. That's exhorting some, somebody. <laughs> you know, it's a stronger, kind of more serious, but more born out of, born out of compassion kind of encouragement. That's what the advocate does. They didn't know how bad they needed this advocate. They didn't even understand what Jesus was saying. But he says this is so important because you are going to be tempted to fall away. That fall away term threw me for a loop because in Christian circles, you always would, would get that with like, I don't know if you grew up in church. If you didn't grow up in church, you have Many benefits over those of us. I mean, we have benefits too. Like, there's good. It's good to grow up and to learn things. That also presents some challenges. But like, you, you didn't get to hear words if you didn't grow up in church, like backslidden or get uh, attached to all the guilt that goes along with that word every time you hear it, right? Like, when I hear fall away, that's what I hear. I hear, like, oh, you're gonna backslide or I don't want you to, I'm sending this advocate so that doesn't happen. When I dug into the actual Greek word that Jesus was saying here, it was actually pretty pretty interesting. It was about like not tripping up, 
are not stumbling over the challenges that face you. That's the essence of this Greek word that's translated in my Bible. I don't know what's translated in your Bible, falling away. It wasn't just about disowning Jesus or leaving the truth, although that could be a result or consequence of being tripped up. It was about, you're gonna, I don't want you to stumble and fall over what's coming next, the challenges that face you. I don't want you to fall away from closeness with me from abiding with me because life is gonna smack you around a little bit. What you need is something different. Listen, we can't eliminate all of the circumstances that will pop into our life that'll trip you up. Sometimes, all the time, we have to walk through a few of those things. It's just part of life. When my dad died, it tripped me up. When my brother died, it tripped me up. When my, my mom died, it tripped me up a little bit. When, I have to, when my kids get sick, it messes with me. It trips me up a little bit. When, when things aren't going good, I'm not feeling purpose, feels like I'm walking through a desert, it trips me up a little bit. Life has no shortage of circumstances that'll trip you up. What Jesus is saying is, I'm telling you this, all of this about abiding in me, about the fruit that comes from close Closeness with me. I'm telling you this about the advocate so that you won't get tripped, so that you can be prepared. So that you will know in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So that you can take heart, even though life gets difficult. You can't eliminate but you can be ready, spiritually speaking. It doesn't mean it won't hurt. It doesn't mean you're gonna cruise through it, but you can be prepared if you have been abiding with him and you know who this advocate that he gifts you is. You can be prepared. By the way, he tucks in there that religion will kill you. That's a theme that's been running through this chapter. It's not about religion, it's about relationship. He says, I'm leaving, but help is on the way, and it's the difference maker. I'm gonna cruise through the end of this real quick. So if you have pens, I would suggest that you pull them out right now if you wanna really dive into this later. I'm gonna give you a top 10 um, things this advocate does for followers of Jesus. But before I get to that, I just as you get your pens out or you get ready, uh, this advocate is better. That should catch our attention. When Jesus said, it's better that I go so that the advocate comes, that should, we should all be like perked up and listening. When Jesus says that this is the difference maker when you face trouble, it should have us all paying attention and by the way, what's so cool about scripture, and this is a side note, this is who Jesus calls the advocate, but we also know that Jesus is also an advocate for us. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, it tells us that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in heaven and he advocates for us. How cool is that? God loves you so much, he didn't give you one advocate, he gave you two. We send our entire lives looking for somebody who come alongside us, comfort us, encourage us help us, and God's been providing us with the two greatest advocates all along. Here's 10 things real fast. This is more teaching than preaching. I don't know if this will be inspiring. I'm not gonna try to make it sound witty. I just want us to understand 
what this advocate really does. The advocate is the Holy Spirit. And number one, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, he draws us in to God and reveals the good news to us. If you've ever had a moment where it clicked, that was the Holy Spirit. If you've ever gone from like not caring at all about this stuff to really being interested, that's the Holy Spirit. If you ever had a moment where you decided that it was right for you to give your life to this Jesus, to say I'm gonna follow him, that was the Holy Spirit. He was preparing you and drawing you to God. He was revealing the good news and making it so that you can understand. You are not as far away from God as you think. Even if you are unbelieving right here, right now, God is using his spirit to work around you, to draw you to himself. You have a choice because God's given us free will, but he is working first. God moves first to help us understand the freedom and the life we can have in him. Number two, he makes us new and he gives us eternal life. Fancy words for those are regeneration and uh, justification. He justifies us before God, makes us new upon our faith, and gives us the gift of eternal life. Number three, the Holy Spirit grows us. Philippians 1, 6 and Galatians 5 are good references to dig in. It's, it's, it's God who began a good work in you. It's God who will complete it. The Holy Spirit is sanctification. It means that he is continually making you new. He is continually changing your heart. He is continually making you more like Jesus. He is showing you the next thing that you can work on, the next thing that you need to yield, the next step you need to take following him. We're resistant sometimes. We don't want to hear it. We like ignoring it. Usually we don't want to admit it until we've tried all our steps first and all our steps have turned up weak or have failed us. But God is the one who grows us. Number four, through, through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. We don't have time to jump into all these references. So you can jot them down and look at them later. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. It's God's Spirit in us for believers. Do you understand how big that is? You're not alone. No matter where you go. He's with you. In you. Number six, the Holy Spirit convicts. It says that right in this passage, he convicts. Not to judge or push us down, but to call us higher, to make us better. The Holy Spirit, number seven, gives gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, seven through 11. If you are a follower of Jesus, God has given you some gifts. We're supposed to fan the flame of those gifts, and maybe you haven't been doing that because you've just been sitting on the shelf or on the bench, or in the stands, right? But like, I don't know who you are, and I don't know what your life has looked like, or what you do at work, but I know that if you are a follower of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, God has given you a gift, and it's special. When you start to use it, you experience something so beautiful, his purpose for you why you're on this planet. And you, quite honestly, I don't know if there's anything that feels better than when you are faithful in using your gift. God will use it to literally change lives. Number eight, 
He, gives us, he guides us in all truth. Isn't that comforting for people that are easily confused? 16, verse 3, it talks about that in this passage. He guides us into all truth. He gives us power, Acts 1.8. It says in Scripture, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is within us. He gives us power. That's number nine. Number 10, he prays for you and helps you in your weakness, Romans 8, 10, and 11. Even when you don't know how to pray or what to say, the Spirit prays for you. And it's God's strength experienced in the midst of your weakness. This is why this advocate and knowing about him and experience him should rock your world. It's because God is for you. It's not just something we say. It's something he has proved over and over and over again. God is for you not in little ways, but in huge ways. He's given you everything you need for the journey ahead. He's providing for you all you need to walk through the difficult stuff. He's, he's equipping you for every turn in the corner. He is so for you. His spirit is gifted to us to reside in us. Here's why it should rock your world. Because no matter where you go, no matter what height nor depth, no matter what dark or shady place you find yourself in, you are never alone if you belong to him. His spirit is with you. God is with you. It's not just like figurative speech. It's literal. He's actually with you. When we say you're not alone, it's not something that we say to make us feel better because we hope to make you feel better. It's a declaration of this promise. That if you belong to him, there is no place you can go. David said in Psalm 139, this knowledge is too wonderful for me. That, that there's no height nor depth I can go to escape you. But you are always there. It means you can always depend on him. That you are never having to face something by yourself. It should rock your world because you don't have to figure it all out. You just have to follow. The Spirit leads. The Spirit works. The Spirit guides. The Spirit will make you new. You just have to follow him. Listen, this advocate Jesus said is better. It's crazy. But it's true because Jesus said it. And we have this incredible gift and I wish we would just not it's important to know about Jesus. It's important to learn about Jesus. It's important to do church. But what's, what's that piece that's like missing is to actually learn to experience the presence of God in our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Here's the challenge. This is it. Remember, this is for those people who are already followers of Jesus. So if, if you don't follow Jesus, you don't know if you believe, I'll be glad to answer your questions later. We'll talk for hours if you want. Um, I don't know where there's good coffee, but we'll find some. Here's the challenge. What area of your life do you need to yield to the Spirit of God? Because we don't experience God's Spirit even though God's spirit dwells in us, when we are unwilling to yield to him. Maybe there's a spot you've been holding back that needs to be yielded. 
a relationship you've been keeping to yourself that needs to be yielded to him. Would you be willing to to ask God what areas of your life you need to kind of like step back and let him be God of again? Maybe it's, it's good to take some moments when you're abiding with him today or tomorrow or this week to really take stock of your relationship with God. If you haven't been experiencing his presence in your life, to see what kind of barriers you put up, what kind of objections you have held, what kind of stiff arms you have been throwing to God. Do you trust him? Do you believe he is for you? And can you yield to him? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you have not sent us off into this crazy world alone, but you give us your spirit to guide us in all truth, to comfort us. And some people need comforting this morning. Would your spirit comfort them? There's people that are confused this morning. Would your spirit guide them? Some of us maybe even need a little more conviction in our lives. That would be me too often than I like to admit. What, what we're saying, God, is we just want you to run loose in our hearts and our lives. We want you to have it all. So we want to yield to you and your work in us. Well, thank you for this incredible gift, this advocate. It's a promise and a truth that her words can't even begin to grasp. But we're so grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen.